What's up, people? You're here for another edition of Jay's World. This episode is all about Michael Jordan and The Last Dance. What an amazing 10 episodes we've just checked out. It's been awesome. Even if you're not a Jordan guy, you just like the access and the footage and the behind the scenes content. It's been amazing. Today, I'm going to give you three perspectives, three basketball minds who I respect, two from my high school playing days in Mario Moore and Ron Slay out of Nashville. We'll hear from them shortly. But first, a guy who actually appeared in the last dance, Penny Hardaway of the Orlando Magic, now head basketball coach of the Memphis Tigers. Penny is greatness himself, so he has a couple of MJ stories. He appeared during the All-Star Game in 1998, where MJ was talking about that Kobe Bryant kid, that little Laker kid. I saw Penny in the locker room there. And his Magic also played against the Bulls, so he's a guy who we can go to for some information. That said, let me ask you this, Coach. What surprised you about The Last Dance? Two things, well, three things surprised me. I don't know, I don't remember Scottie Pippen like sitting out the first part of the season. Don't know what I was doing back then. Don't know where I was. Maybe I knew and forgot. So that kind of brought back, I didn't even know Scottie was going through a contract issue with the Bulls and that he was out the first half of the season. The second thing was uh, the relationship with Scottie, Michael, and Jerry Krause, how they really just were on him all the time. That's very unusual. You don't do GMs. <laughs> You don't do GMs like that. And the third thing was Dennis Robbins' vacation that he took during the season that was supposed to be for 48 hours. You don't even get a day, but you, you got 48 hours and you, five days later, Michael Jordan has to come and get you from a hotel in Vegas. That's, that's absurd. And then they were still winning. Crazy. I'm tripping off of last night with the, uh, the WWE event. Monday Night Raw, this guy is supposed to be at practice and hey, that's Robin for you. Let me ask you this, as you watch this, what memories come to mind? Uh, the memories that come back to me is when I was in the league, Michael Jordan wasn't in the league, he came back. So that first game against Indiana, he came back and I was like, Michael Jordan is actually back in the league and I can't wait to play against the Bulls. The second thing was how dominant they were. They were so organized, uh, defensively and offensively. And every time you played them, it was always a battle. Uh, I remember those things. So let me get more specific. What's your favorite MJ memory? My favorite MJ memory, and I'm not trying to, you know, give myself a plug, but when he first came back, they didn't make a shoe that year for him. He could have worn one of his old pairs of shoes. He ended up wearing a pair of my shoes in a series against us, and that was really weird seeing him with my shoes on uh, and not playing in his. So that's that's a, that was amazing. That that was that was crazy as far as my encounter with him, just seeing him wear my shoes in a series and not his own. Not everybody knows him away from the court. Talk about him away from the court. What's his golf game like? Michael definitely is OD'd on, on competitive nature. Like he can't lose. He's gonna keep betting you until he wins. If he does lose, he's gonna rag you for taking the money. Uh, <laughs> he's just, he lives for speed. He lives for like the competitive nature. He, it, I mean, he'll bet everybody in the group on every single thing. I can drive, I bet I can drive it further than you. I bet I can hit it closer to the hole than you. I bet I make this putt 10,000 to your 1,000. I mean, it's just, he, that's just who he is. He's always having to compete in every single thing that he does. All right, coach, I appreciate you one cent. Now from Memphis to the Music City, after the break, we'll be back with a couple of guys I've known for a long time. You're listening to Jay's World Podcast. Jay's World is brought to you by 5G Media and Gilmore Financial Services. 
Do you need your taxes done? Contact GFS at Gilmore Financial Services at Comcast.net. Jay's world rolls on with two of my favorite all-time athletes, and I say that in comparison to the guys we've watched in the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA. These two guests today are two of my favorites of all time. We're from the same city, man. We all represent the 615. So we have Mario Moore, one of Antioch's finest from the Vanderbilt Commodore Club. What's up, Rio? What's going on? Appreciate you having me. No doubt. And we also have from the boom, boom room of all for life, Ron oh. Slade from Pro oh. High School. Oh. What's up, my guy? What's up, Jay? Glad you got me on, brother. No doubt, man. I'm sure you guys have checked out all 10 episodes of The Last Dance, right? Indeed. Absolutely. What's your major takeaway, Slade? Um, my major takeaway um, was probably I don't think people give credit to how smart Jordan was as a player. I think, man, him, the stuff him he dealt with, um, being the leader of that squad, being able to shoulder all of that, and not only um, being able to win through that, but keep his sanity. You know what I mean? Because I know me being the leader of Tennessee at the time, you know what I mean? It was it was difficult if you got a, a got somebody, you know what I mean, not doing what they're supposed to do, let alone leaving after game four and going to Raptor. One of your key <laughs> your key players, you know what I mean? Like that was bonkers to me. And you know what I mean? And then I also, him being a small player, and then I put a lot more on people winning back-to-back championships now. How difficult it is. Like I I had an idea, but I think that put it that put it clear to me how different it is with back to back, let alone three people. So that's what, what I you take away, Mr. Mo. A couple of things. So one of the main things that um and I and let me clarify because I always give Jordan a whole lot of crap online, but what I took away was is that how special he was and the level that he played at right so i think scott burrell said it best he was like he was pushing us to to be great to be jordan-esque he's like but he he didn't know he was the only one that was capable of getting to the level that he was trying to tap us into right so jordan was like look i just need you at your peak and his peak was so good that it intimidated people right and i don't think these like younger generations of kids like they buy the shoes and they're enamored with what Jordan means to the culture, but like to actually like I remember being up and watching WGN right every every Wednesday, Tuesday, whenever the game came on. I remember specifically watching these games and just be idolizing Michael as a as a kid. Uh, I mean, I think he is just what it means to play basketball, to be honest, like what it means to compete, what it means to win, right? There is nobody when you say, when you think of winner and basketball in the same sentence, you're going to probably say Michael Jordan. And I think that this documentary just like reinforced how great and how special and how much better than people he was. Like he was better than guys that were really damn good. Right. Like he was better than guys that were really, really good, right? So, so like it was good to see the Reggie Millers and the Xavier McDaniels and the guys who hey man, let's beat this guy up. Let's rock this guy up a little bit, man, because 
And we can't do nothing with him when he's on the ground. So we got to beat him up. We got to do something. We got to level the playing field. And so I think that was what I – just special. Like, I got goosebumps watching it. So it was, it was, it was a good – 10, 10 episode experience for me. Did you look at any episode and say, wow, I view him differently now? <laughs> um, I, I think episode six, I believe when he was, um, when he was joking with um, Randy Brown, when Randy Brown came in with the, asking for the tickets. Uh-huh. Asking, you know what I mean, where, um, <laughs> Where where you want to, it doesn't matter where he's sitting. Randy Brown's like you can put him next to God. It don't it don't matter. Right. And then and then Mike said, "What'd you say?" <laughs> he said, Man, "You can put him next to God." He said, "Uh, well, God just gave you to." So <laughs> that that right there let me know like how he thought about it. Like I could see myself saying some stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because you 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 have to always be as a leader and having that. That, that supreme confidence. Always have to be thinking that way at all times, whether you're joking around, um, whether you're in the game, whether you're in practice, whatever it is. And that was one of the funniest things. But you saw Randy Brown, how he laughed at him. You know what I mean? You could tell that it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't malicious or anything. It was That's how they play. You know what I mean? So that showed me that he had different relationships. Right. Different guys on the team, you know what I mean? Even with joking with Rodman, joking with Curry, joking with Paxson. Like, I think that was good to see, man, that because I always thought by, you know, I, I watched Mike, you know, and I was an Isaiah fan, Magic Johnson fans, but you never got to see behind the scenes like this. And I always thought that he was serious all the time. Like, it was win and it was and nothing else, you know what I mean? Which it was, but – the man had a sense of humor, you know what I mean? Like, that was good. And, you know, seeing a carbon copy of him with Kobe Bryant, I never got to see those joking times like that, you know what I mean? I always saw Shaq as the big jokester, you know what I mean? Kobe being so serious. Even when he got powerful, powerful Saul and him, he was still serious all the time. So I, I think that was a good point for me, man, to be like, man, Mike Joke, he had a great sense of humor. Um, and that, that, was, that was big time, man, knowing the platform and, the level that he was on for him to still be joking like that, that was, that was pretty cool. Mario, do you view him differently at all? I think a lot of it I knew, right? So I think I, I think we knew he was a fierce competitor. I think we knew that he would do whatever it took to win. Um, and, I, and I echo Slay on that. It's like it was good to see, like, this human element to Mike because – when you think of Michael Jordan, you think of, you hear the stories of he punched Steve Kerr, you hear, you know, he did this, he did that, or, but you never really see, like, even, you know, when he went in, Scott Burrell's friends were there, right, and he went in there and he shot, you know, shot the jazz with him and was talking to him and joking about UConn. I thought those were, like, the moments that, like, people really don't get to see of Mike, you know, we're in this social media age now, to where anybody can have a phone and anybody can capture these moments. So people, these superstars are more accessible and more human. Uh, but as far as Mike goes, I think one, let's just discuss that he was bigger than life and he was bigger than the game. So I think he had to um, set boundaries and parameters to protect himself. Right. Um, and so it was good to see that, Oh, people loved Mike people. Oh yeah. He, he does this. Even, 
the Scott Burrell when he was calling Scott Burrell all those names and right, you know Zach Randolph and guys like man, look, we'd have to we'd have to fight. And some people still are probably like that. Bill Cartwright was like that, right? Right. And we know those people out there, right? But <clears throat> I think Scott Burrell took that as like I'm not taking that personal because like this man's trying to you know make me the best I am, right? He sees something in me that I don't see. And sometimes when when you can look into somebody and you can see potential that they don't even know how to tap into, you got to figure out a way to get it out. I mean, to go about it the right way, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But he did get he did get Scott Burrell to a level that he could perform at consistently to help that team. And so I thought that was I thought that was special to see, um, you know, Mike. And then also the, the part of him going through what he went through with his father, that was very private, right? Everything was very private and it's like if you were to think about Michael Jordan it's like does he love anybody does he like anybody does he have any friends does is he and you know what I mean because you hear about the fallouts with Charles Barkley and all these people but it's mm-hmm. like does he have that human element and I think this documentary was able to show it and I'm still shocked because I still don't think he's human <laughs> yeah. that's the crazy part of it when you do things at your levels SEC level, when you do things at, at your level, you're always an athlete. It don't matter if you're 35 and you're fat and you're trying to get back in shape. Right. <laughs> you guys are athletes, period. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, I want to put on your human viewer fan hat mm-hmm. and ask you with your limited TV knowledge, because you're not professionals in the world of TV, mm-hmm. What did you think about the way it was produced in terms of the chronological order? How did you all follow that? Um, I liked it. I like I like where they started and, and being able to date back and then catching us up to um, catching us up to speed. And I think it all. I think they did a good job of showing um, everybody's role. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, especially the key guys like in those championship runs. Um, I, I think it was. Good the way they showed Tony Kukoc in that light because I always knew that um, they dogged him and got after him in that Olympic game, but I really didn't know about him responding the way he did in the championship game, him coming back and playing as hard as he did. Um, I think that was interesting. Um, I, I also believe that when, um, when they were talking about Steve Kerr, about um, his pops dying in Beirut, and, and like that, um, I, I think they shed a lot of light on why he has a voice when it comes to politics. Today. Yeah, today. And I never, I always was wondering, like, I mean, why is he, you know what I mean, so strung out on, on saying stuff about people and the president, whatever it may be, and having a voice on that. But now I understand why, you know what I mean? And, and I, I think that was, that was good to know, you know what I mean? I, I, I think dating back also, you got the opportunity to see two different mics. Cause the, the black mic with the chains was totally different than the 90s mic. You know what I mean? Their mic there was vicious. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> where it really wasn't about winning, he was gonna win the individual matchup and punish them, and there was nothing y'all could do about it, you know what I mean, compared to him becoming a team might getting with Phil Jackson and you know knowing that all the pieces got to come together to win. So I think that was that was, that was good, you know, dating back to seeing what you really don't see as a as a viewer 
um, you don't get to see that the way it was in the 80s, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I was a kid watching the sport, but at the same time, man, it was a lot missing. Like, I was just to see Lakers and Pistons and Celtics. So you missed a lot of Bulls games, you know what I mean, before they start winning. So it was good to, to date back and see that and see how it was all put together and then how they sped it up and caught it up. I, 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 was, I was impressed with that. Did you like how it was done, Mo? I did. Um, I know, I, you know, I, I was on Twitter and I was reading a lot of people's comments. I'm like, man, who is producing this, man? They jumping all around. And, and that's for people who really, like, <clears throat> they want to follow that chronological order. I, I think some people would have been fine with it going from, okay, 84 to 98. Yeah. But I, I think <clears throat> it was important to, one, because we're talking about the last dance. So I look at it from, all right, we're talking about 98. And with that in mind, I know I'm. I know this is wrapping up to the '98 season. Why everything blew up and all of that. So, but it's important to understand your your history. How do we get here? How do we get here? So, it was. It it went into them showing who Jerry Krause was. Right. <clears throat> it went into showing them that that relationship with Phil because I think out of all of that, like what really nobody talks about. Everybody like hates Jerry and. I don't think he handled things right all the time, but dude had a basket. He, he knew what pieces to go get. He knew how to put something together. He knew he put it together. To go get he, he, you know what I mean? And so I thought it was cool to jump around and go back and see, okay, this was his mindset in 84. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was his mindset when he got to 87. Because, you know, he was like, man, I was young and full of energy. And, you know, when he's like 91, the most prolific thing he said last night, he goes, 91, I was young, I was full of energy, and I was playing at this high level. He goes, in 98, I'm fatigued and mm -hmm. tired, and, but I'm still playing at this high level, and the only thing that's changed is my mind. Right. The only thing that is keeping me, you know, the only thing that's keeping me where I am is my mind and my ability, my my drive to win. So I, so I thought it was amazing how they jumped around because um, it was just a lot of stuff that, you don't get to see, you know what I mean? It's just, it was, I thought it was great. And like like Mario talking about Krause, I think it was interesting to see as much as we hate him for blowing that team up, like it took balls for him to put that team together. You know what I mean? The way he did that with Pippen, like Pippen shouldn't have been that high of a, a draft pick, honestly, you know what I mean? Right. He got, um, he got going to get Kukos, and then the, even the way he brought Phil Jackson into the fold by assistant you know, coach, yeah, you know what I mean by putting them in there, and then all of a sudden, like they made it to the conference finals. And you, and, you have, and you also have to consider, man. Like think about today's time. Nobody would sign this. Nah. Uh-uh. Nobody. They'd be like, oh, let me go find another wire kid. Let me go get Kenneth Reed. Exactly. Let me go find this somebody that I ain't got to worry about at 2.30 in the morning. Right. Go find somebody that I, you know. Hey, man, listen, he left. They won the finals game by 20, and he went to the to, <laughs> with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know how good you have to be to do something? Exactly. And, 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 and show and up with bananas when you come back. And showed up and played the best game of his life the next okay. night. So, like, so that alone is just like, I was mad. I'm like, mm -hmm. I knew dude was crazy, mm -hmm. but like, that's amazing. Looking at it with, with Jerry Krause bringing in Phil Jackson, 
a guy and trusting him because Crouch didn't want Robin either. You know what I mean? But Phil was like, let me get with him and let me talk to him and he, he may work out. Then you got the Scaparelli incident, incident like what Mario was talking about, him calling him uh, A to B, all this, you know what I mean, throughout the whole season. And people on Twitter going crazy talking about, man, ain't no way Shannon Shaw was going off. Man, me and Jordan would have came to blows, this, that, and the other. But you never would have even been on that team because Phil Jackson as the architect, who Jerry trusted in, put these pieces together on purpose. You know what I mean? Knowing who was going to fit, knowing that this is the guy. You know what I mean? Ding, ding, so ding, ding, ding. You know what I mean? Like, like this. Man, listen, and to add to that, like, listen, like, you had to understand, like, you never hear of any uh, Charles Oakley brush ups. Right. I know who to try that with. You there never you heard mean. any Charles Oakley brush. Because guess, well, guess how they guess how they explain Charles Oakley? Charles, oh, Charles, we love Charles. Charles mm -hmm. was my protector. Charles was my guy. Charles was Charles was letting me get hit. Big brother. That was his brother. He loved Charles. He was pissed when Charles got traded. Right. And that that is the thing. Like, so now you gotta you gotta get more people around that's more docile and right. okay, they can take they ain't soft. Now they'll fight with you, they'll go to war. But they're gonna be able to take some, you know, some berating and all of that from, from Mike because we know that's what he's gonna do when he feels like you're not performing at the level that you're you're getting paid or whatever right. you feel like. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, I'm in here putting in this work. I mean, the the you know, one thing that sticks out to me too is is when they were running sprints and Mike was leading the sprints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that the average basketball player, you know, like the, the average viewer, they watching it because they like Mike. Exactly. Right? Dude's leading the sprints. Exactly. Dude is, when they lost to Orlando and the trainer was like, oh, you know, usually he give me two, three weeks off. Tomorrow. He said, mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, tomorrow. Like those things, those things are what I take away. That's what give me like, damn, I want to go work. I want to go right. work. Because that's what it takes, right? You know what I mean? To – Get to that next level. That's what it takes to be greater than the day you did that yet, you know, the day before. Mm -hmm. Hey, fellas, I'm loving the conversation. I'm going to uh, do some chronological order in terms of the actual episode. So let's go back to night one. What do you guys think about Scottie Pippen's deal? Trash. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, so, so I know they told him not to sign a deal, and I know he was thinking about, like, you know, I got to. I'm from Arkansas, and we poor, and I got to take care of my family, and this 18 million going to stretch, right? <clears throat> but I think he started looking around, and like Phil said, man, you could argue say he was the second-best player in the league at the time when he was playing as well as he was. Seven, ten, what was it, two million a year? Mm -hmm. right, pennies. It was pennies. <laughs> horrible. That deal was so horrible. And they told him not to sign it. So so I was I, I I understand. But one thing I feel like, and I know you don't, you're not supposed to talk about another man's pockets. Mm -hmm. I know you're not supposed to count another man's pockets. I know you're not supposed to speak on people's contracts. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I know. But Mike can't Mike can't get up there and call Pip selfish. He can't call Mike selfish when you make it 30 million. <laughs> Can't do it, buddy. I was hot at him for that. I ain't like that. that hey, bothered, I, guess what though? That bothered me to my soul. My thing I felt on that was Pip, who is your agent? Yeah, that was like, 
You know what I mean? Because it's it's always backroom talks and rumors and going around with the NBPA or whether it be NFL, whatever it may be. Like everybody has a voice in the background. You know what I mean? So who are you listening to? Your agents know. I'm gonna be real. Like they know when the lockouts go here. They know when the the money's about to fluctuate. You know when you do TV rights, it's gonna kick in. All this like, and they told you as a unit like. Dog, don't sign this. So apparently somebody knows something if everybody said it. It would be different if Mike was saying it or Phil was saying it. You got the GM saying it. From the management perspective, should they have reworked it down the line? Absolutely. I think they should have reworked it, um, especially, you know, because you do right by people who do right by you. Just good business. Just good business, right? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You know, like Mike said, you know, everybody knew that they wasn't restructuring nothing but in good business when you got somebody that valuable I, I, I think you look out you know what I mean I think you take care of that person um, totally different subject but kind of the same thing I mean they gave Kobe broke the Lakers for them years he was there. They, gave, they gave 90 million for them three right they couldn't sign nobody else but hey man you know done all this for the we already down Chips down, we done sign. Let me give you this money since you done done so much for our pro for our for our, you know, for the Lakers. Our, our thank you to you. Thank you. But man, come on, man. Somebody should have restructured something. So that's why when, when Mike was like, oh man, I feel like he was being selfish, you know, and everybody's like, well, you got his legacy online. Hey man, you making 33 million. You can't fix your lips, it's called nobody nothing. I ain't like that. I'm gonna keep it real. The best way to have a good business is to take care of your people. But Rio, at the same time, you can't take care of everybody. No, you can't. But 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 everybody not the top three in the world. That's true. Very true. But I also feel like it's somebody over there blossoming overseas that on his way. It looks like it's always somebody. It's always somebody on his way. But that's why. That is why I love LeBron. That is why I love LeBron. LeBron got everybody paid. Yeah, yes, he did. Everybody, yes, he did. I'm talking about from Della Vadova down. Yes, he did. Yes, he ain't got to do nothing ever. He ain't got to get another contract. He got 14 million. Right. Trisha right. Thompson right. got eight to eight million. Right. Nobody in the world can tell me Trisha Thompson is worth eight to eight million. Exactly right. Nobody, but I, I, it's spot on. It's spot on. So now let's go back to the boom boom room with our Detroit Pistons fan, Mr. Slay. What were your thoughts on the Pistons walking off without extending the handshake? Man, it, it's tough, man, because, like, this was this was how the NBA was set at that time. Like, people were walking off. People weren't shaking hands, giving the hugs after getting beat in a, a knockout, drag-out uh, a series, you know what I mean? Especially um, when they knew that their, their time was coming to an end. Um, you saw it the years before with the Celtics walking out on the Pistons, um, Magic and them guys, they never shake hands after losing. Um, you, you got on out the way, man, because it was, in those days, in the 80s, it was really bad blood. And these guys are trying to crush you out here. Now, on the, on the flip side of that, it's a, new, it's a new day. You know what I mean? It's a new crop coming in. You know what I mean? Jordan, you know, he's going to be the face of the league, clean-cut guy. You know what I mean? They... You know, they're they, they running it and they're setting the standard as far as, you know I mean? We shook hands every time we got beat. 
but y'all are different. Y'all not magic bird all in. And I do think it was blown out of proportion a little bit, but at the same time, I think it would have been better if they, and nobody really would have said anything, if Isaiah would have walked straight out instead of, like this little duck down motion is like a sneaky snake type, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you don't do that, man. Like you don't do that. So I, I think that that's what that's what messed it up. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't have no problem with not shaking hands. The way they displayed it, right? When they showed Mike losing both of those battles, when he lost to Detroit, he shook hands and he lost. Whenever he lost, it was like, hey man, you know, see you guys next year. Boom, boom, boom. You know, because everybody was like, you know, we don't know when. It's just a matter of time, but when he's coming. And, when he's gonna overthrow us, so we gotta lay the hammer while we can, right? So I, I do respect that Mike was a had a whole lot of respect for the game, a lot of sportsmanship, and and he handled that perfectly, right? The flip side to that is is that was the league then, that was the league, and I I think. It was rough. It was like, hey, ain't no love me. Y'all beat us. You beat us, all right, but we ain't got to, you know, it ain't no respect and hug factor like it is now. So I think, but what it showed me about Mike was, is Mike needed those things. Mm-hmm. Mike needed stuff like that to happen. If you think about it, every episode, like, what was your motivation? Like, because it was like, okay, what motivated you? It was like, oh, calm alone. What motivated you this year? Oh, the kid, when he went and got 39 in the first half on that kid, you know. And then come to find out the kid never said anything. <laughs> he never said anything. Yeah. So he had to find ways to, like, what is going to piss me off today to just go dominate somebody, right? So it was like two – it was interesting to see that because I think now Mike was like, okay, well, I'm going to be – stand up and respect the game when I lose. But he never lost. You've never seen Right, him. right. I think they gave the NBA an opportunity to finally paint Isaiah as the sneaky slime ball head of the snake. You know what I mean? Because you, you got to imagine, he had run-ins with everybody by that point. Like him and Magic were on bad terms. Remember when Robin called Larry Bird out? He was the first one to come out and say, yeah, you know what, was black, he just be another average guy. Like, he had knocked all the greats, and in a sense, him being the little guy with the less talented team that was able to go back back to back, he kind of had to have that mantra that us against the world. You know what I mean? They went and played painted the the bad boys' image. You know what I mean? Like it was that was their persona. Now you know we are the bad boys, and we're gonna live up with it, and we won with that. So the league was trying to skate away. From that, you know, the competition was back with Larry and Mike and Magic. Now let's 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 take the take the lead global with this Air Jordan guy who's phenomenal, but just can't win and get over the hump. And why can't he get in over the hump? Because of the bad boys who came and handled their business. So now I think that was a perfect time for them to be able to paint Isaiah as the bad guy, you know, and never let him out, let him ne- ne- never never let him out of underneath that black cloud, in a sense, you know what I mean? And I think they, they did that well as far as the lead and being able to pass the torch. Because Isaiah wasn't going to get that torch up. Regardless, with them getting beat, he was going to come back and work harder, fight Mike even more, you know what I mean? So I think I think the lead kind of behind the scenes kind of used that 
against Zeke. And I don't think none of the greats that were in the league at the time had a problem with that because he rubbed everybody the wrong way in here. You know what I mean? So. You're listening to Jay's World Podcast. You can email the show and suggest topics for an upcoming episode. Email Jay at j.gilmore at memphis.edu. Hey, night three, Mario. Should uh, Zeke have been left off the dream team? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If we if we talking about strictly basketball, you know what I mean? Because let's just be very clear. He is the only one that beat all of them head up. Like nobody can. <laughs> nobody. Nobody can say I beat Mike. I beat Magic. I beat Bird. Mm-hmm. And they crying. Like I beat these guys at the, at the top of the top. He beat them dudes. So absolutely, you know what I mean? Like. He definitely should have been on that team. But, you know, again, it's the Jerry Krause factor. It's the factor of, all right, we're putting a team together. I got Black Jesus. I got Magic. I got Bird, right? We They at the end of the day. So this is more of a leadership thing. And I got these young bucks sprinkling here, you know, Pippen and uh, Barkley you know, Carl Malone. I got these, these young guns sprinkling here, Ewan. So you got some studs. I, do I really need to bring that tension? in here it doesn't make sense to bring it in here and on a global scale that we're talking money it, it don't make sense it didn't make sense for them to rock the boat when you had guys who had the utmost respect for each other right you had mike who respected magic and bird you had barkley who respected these guys so it was a pecking order there that was set in stone and i think he would have you know, I think they still would have won and they would have whooped everybody. That wouldn't have been the issue, but I don't think it would have been a as pleasurable experience for the dream team if if he's involved in that, which sucks because I think he earned the right over his career to be. And then you got you got Christian Leitner on there. Right, right. Politics as usual. Politics yeah. as usual. So, hey, we fast forward to night four, a retirement that's impromptu. We were not expecting this retirement. How many championships do the Bulls win, Slay, if Michael Jordan stays away from baseball? They got six out of eight. I think they at least get seven out of eight. I think they at least get seven out of eight. I think one of those, um, I think the 95 one. Um, right. I think dreaming them were kind of on a mission. Um, and I always, I, I, I think Mike himself would have wanted to see what they, you know what I mean, went up against the Houston Rockets like, you know what I mean? Remember what, what he said last night, didn't you? What? He said, hey, man, they, uh, when they was talking about Carl Malone and sweeping the Lakers, he was like, man, they, they swept the Lakers, man. They got that big Shaq. You know how hard it is to contain him? He said, I ain't, I ain't yeah. Shaq. Yeah, I ain't Shaq. I ain't, I ain't Shaq. He said, like I said. I ain't shake. I honestly think dude would have found a way to win a strike. I think so too, but I would have loved to see that matchup because you had guys like a Mario Ellie, like a Mad Max, like a Kenny Smith, you know what I mean, who took pride, I believe, in a different way as a team. Yeah. You know, they were a little different. They was kind of different. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they was different. And they and they felt like some teams, man, at, at times. Like that clutch city stuff, like sometimes it, it, it's just timing, man. And I think that team jailed at the right time. You know what I mean? They had the right coach with Rudy T. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, King was an unstoppable force any way they want to put it. MVP, defensive player of the year, 
and finals MVP. Like that was he was a different animal also. Like, and I know um Mike was a Mike was a different animal too, but I just can't see the the Winningtons and Longleys and them kind of being able to stop it. He might have got he might have got nine. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to my when was the lockout season? 99. Yeah. You give Michael Jordan a lockout? Yeah. 50 games? Yeah. Oh, he won. Yeah, he could have won. <laughs> if, if Jerry Cross, you know what he was like, hey man, give me give me this one more year. Let's put, you know, Pippen would have stayed, such and such would have stayed. Mm-hmm. And you give that man 50 games, give Michael one This is my thing with that. Like you don't know what Robin is going to be doing in the first five months. If you can't, you didn't know what he was going to be doing at that point during the, the finals. Imagine I got no, I got no, I got no worries about my boy, baby man. They went got that man out of Vegas. Yeah, I do. Okay, I'm, so, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, in the long, the long game of it, like I, I just can't see. Robin staying sane that long. <laughs> like, one thing, if you can get him on the court, he's going to perform. Let's go to night five. And by going to night five, I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I want to take it back to Kingston Pike and West End <laughs> and see what type of stories you guys can tell me about some kind of crazy hotel experience. Which one of you guys have a hotel experience being on the road during your playing days? Hotel experience, man. I would probably have to say it wasn't. It wasn't. It was when we was in Europe and we took our. Uh, we took our. Uh, uh, you know, you, you take that little six game warm up trip. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to Spain, so we went to Spain, and man, let me tell you, boy. Hey, we was pretty tame. I will say we had a pretty tame group of guys. Man, we got the Europe. I don't know what was wrong with them dudes, man. They were, hey, listen here, man. They, we had won, like, one of the games. You know, at the game, they give you the trophies. Oh, I got to stop. I sound like Mike. I sound like Mike. I can't you snitching? Be, you snitching? I can't be telling like Mike. I got to stop because Mike told on the whole 84 team. Hey, well, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Because I don't give a damn. And all my boys going to be like, man, we so did. So, listen. <laughs> We were total opposite. <laughs> Every road trip was a, it was a party. Like, we we started off with the party. We getting on the charter plane with a gallon of crown. Thanks. It is what it is. I don't care what. We could be, we could be driving to Nashville to play Vandy. We could be flying all the way across country for the Rainbow Classic in Hawaii. It's going down. Like, Hey man, I remember Rainbow Classic. We in Hawaii, <laughs> and the funny thing is, we were handling the business. So, as soon as we get off the bus, coach like, man, y'all got umpteen amount of hours before we do the luau. We like, all right, cool. First thing we do is find the um the four wheelers, no, the scooters, the little scooter joints, riding around Hawaii. You know what I mean? We're supposed to be back by about 6 o'clock. It's 4.30. Um, man, we out here trying to holler at gals, getting back to our hotel. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's pandemonium. We're trying to get people to come to the Luau, which is for the team. 
We're trying to get people to come to the luau and sit with us at the luau like it's a it's a buffet style, a seat yourself, like it ain't just exclusive for the teams, for the for the rainbow class. Man, we got about 10 people that ain't supposed to be there that's from Hawaii. Uh, I, I, <laughs> we got people flying in. Hey, man, listen, man. Listen. You reminiscing, my guy. Hey, I am. I'm you, know what, you know what's crazy, though, is it's like my, my experiences are more like when I went to other colleges. It was like, man, yeah. I went to when I went to IU because I was real close to Bryson Wright. And I'm like, oh, this how college really is? <laughs> Vanderbilt was so tame. I'm like, oh, man, dude pulled up in the 745. And he, he walked us right in the park. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is how y'all really living up here. Then, you know, a year after I graduate, I'm in town, Tennessee coming to play. I get a call from one of my Tennessee partners. He's like, hey man, come pick me up, man. Uh, we just got, we just landed, man. Come get me. I'm like, man, y'all ain't got no like team me tonight or nothing. Hey man, come get me. I look, I got three starters in my truck with me. They like, man. I said, what time I got to be back? Hey man, look, we just gonna get back. When we get back. Yeah. You know? I was like, man, how y'all? I could have like, if I did anything like get a better bill, I wasn't playing for two, three guys. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't taking no chance. They like, hey man, look, come pick me up. We out of here and drop us off when whenever you ready. We was wild, dog. And then, like, to, to figure out back on what Rio was saying, like, I, I went up to Rupp because I was cool with Bogans and them. Went up to Kentucky. I'm going up there to hang with them, Cliff Hawkins and all them. And I'm in the dorm after a football game, like, hey, y'all, this, what, what y'all gonna do? Like, what's, what's, what's popping? <laughs> we got a little curfew, man. We got to be in the little wildcat den, whatever the name of it is. We got to be in here at a certain time. I'm like, hey, dog, I'm going to drive on back to Knoxville. I thought y'all, I thought this was Kentucky. I thought it was going down. Man, y'all need to come down here with me because mm. we were safe. You know what I mean? And, it's, different, like, it's different on the hill in Knoxville, man. I'm going to keep it a book. Yeah. I'm going to be real. Then I remember a crazy story. We used to love going down to Vanderbilt because we always stayed at the Lowe's. We played Lowe's. And we would always steal the rolls. Because <laughs> the rolls were so good. Hey man, the end time we got back, that's in the bill. <laughs> somebody told, stole six rolls, two irons, and man, one time, man, somebody stole the microwave, man. We were like, oh, no, no. That's the microwave. <laughs> he ain't gonna say who did it, but hey man, we was looking at him like, dog, why you take the microwave? He was like, it wasn't bolted down. I said, hey, dog. Come on, man. I would, I would definitely say my, my craziest was Europe, man. Europe, we was off the chain because we really, that's when they let us kind of like, you know, bench out. They was just like, just make sure you back in the hotel by like one in the morning. So we was, we was everywhere. You know what I mean? We was, we was all over Europe. It was crazy, man. And they was just, they was, they had to be all drinking. Over, all, over. all right, fellas. So now it's time to enter our virtual barber shop. Okay. Rio, who is your GOAT and why? My GOAT, LeBron James. Uh, all right, so several reasons. One, I just think at this point in the game, like the way he plays basketball, I'm a fan of the way he plays basketball. I'm a fan of what he's been able to do as far as how he has changed the league. Like, you know, you've seen Magic and Bird change the league. You've seen Mike change the league. And I, I'm just impressed with how he has, he has 
messed the structure up. Like he is taking the power away from the powers that be, you know, with these interrupted platforms and how he does his no trade clauses and just the power he has when he walks in a room and the power that he gives other people. So, you know what I mean? And then let's just talk about it. Just facts like that was never really a team that designed to beat Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, hey, man, we can't beat this guy. So everybody played what they had. I, I think, like, eight-year eight year run, yeah, he lost some of them. But, then, I mean, nobody, you know, they say, oh, yeah, he lost to the Golden State Warriors. He, man, he took them six by himself with no Kyrie and no Kevin Love. I think we know if he has those players, they win that series. I think we know he wins that series hand down. I, I, and I just also what he does for the community, man, starting schools. My goal is all encompassing of like not only basketball, but when stuff is going wrong for people. I think that's what hurts me most about Jordan. Cause I think Jordan probably would be my goal. But like I need Jordan to speak up. I need I know you you want to just be a basketball player. I know you don't want to be a politician, but your talent and the peak the love and respect people have for you gives you responsibility. So you have to say something. You have to stand up for your people. You have to, and I think that's why I love LeBron so much, because LeBron is going at the president, LeBron is going at everybody. He is challenging everything that we think is what how things are supposed to be. And dude, just turn it upside down. While you know getting it done on the basketball court. While getting it done. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he had all his homeboys, he put them on, they all millionaires, and then you look in and then now the NBA say, hold on, man, these guys too powerful. Now you put in the Rick Paul rule. Like, man, these dudes are so powerful. And, like, that's why LeBron is my goal. It's not only basketball. Because basketball, you know, you can go a million different ways with who your best player is, right? And But I, I just – for what the way he plays the game, what he's been able to accomplish, he's going to shatter every record that is sitting in front of him. He's going to smack the scoring record. He's probably going to be in top five in assists, probably going to be top ten in steals or something. Three point three pointers made. I mean, he's gonna shatter all of that, right? And the only thing that I mean, the only thing, the only score you got on him is his losses in the finals. But it is what it is. LeBron might go just because that's, that's my guy. LeBron's my guy. <laughs> Mr. Boom Boom Room. Yeah, I'm, and I'm 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 similar to Mario. I'm a LeBron fan, man. Uh, love love what he does. Love what he represents. Love what he means to the game in and outside of it. But. I'm, I'm, I think it's always unfair to even put him in the conversation because he's still playing. So I, 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 mine, is, um, mine is Mike. You know what I mean? I think that at the, at the peak of Mike, Mike's career, I think you look at him and, man, that's one guy that you really can be like, man, everybody wanted to be like Mike. You know what I mean? Where whether it was from the dressing, like we joke on this bag of clothes and stuff now, but everything was being tailor made for Mike. You know what I mean? And one thing, it was never a hair on his head out of place. You know what I mean? Same, like he was clean cut. You know what I mean? He had his family. You know what I mean? Um, he was the ultimate competitor, the ultimate winner. You know what I mean? Outside of Russell, um, and I think what he did for his teammates, like they really felt like they were going to win every single game if it was close. Like, he was going to close it every single time. You know what I mean? And to me, 
Um, besides Mike not speaking up um, outside of, you know, the basketball court as far as politics and things of that nature, um, I, I can't really see any wrong that, that he done. He took, he took it by his hand, I mean, the bull by his horns, and, and, and led the team where he wanted to leave it. And then at the peak of his game, as Ali did, but for different reasons, he stepped away. Like, how many people can step away and then come back and pick up right where you left off? And the fear factor that he had on the lead was, was just different, man. This man, just because he changed his number, Penny and then was like, man, we shouldn't even say nothing. Like, he, like, that's different, man. Like, to have that impact, like, shacking him with the truth. You know what I mean? That's not on his record, though. That's not a scar against Mike, though. That's what no, I'm, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not saying no. Mike, saying, no scar. That what Mike he held. No, what he held over the lead. No, but Mike got Mike got scars, and don't nobody want to give. No, he definitely got scars. Mike, Mike got out. out. Only all of it. Mike got put out in the first round plenty of times. LeBron's never been put out in the first first round, but nobody's ever captivated the world. Crazy. Mike did. Like, to watch him go to those Olympics and him be a star at this time, that's totally different, man. Like, we all know from going overseas and you know, I think there wasn't no internet or nothing popping like that then. I, I think the most important thing you said was, though, because I think that's what is the fear factor. Like, people fear it. Him. Not Gary, Payton, not Gary Payton, not Gary Payton. Hey, uh, Gary Payton. Yeah, look, it, Mike said, you hear what Mike said? He asked for my smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds good, dude, but you ain't talking about that. Gary didn't want no smoke. That <laughs> was so funny. That was so funny when he just looked at that tablet and started laughing. I thought it was too, yeah. And that's how he felt about everybody. everybody. And I can, honestly, I can honestly say, I don't think LeBron feel that way. Like, I don't think he look at Kawhi and just be like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I got, I got to pack my lunch today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can honestly say Mike will probably look at the schedule and be like, oh, okay, we play the Pistons here, mm-hmm. play the Pacers here. Right, I'm gonna definitely have to lock in right here. These other nights, I I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go mode. You know what I'm saying? But like, that's the thing that I think people, the knock that LeBron has is people look at him and ain't nobody, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody really fearing him. Like, you know, right. And I think the time they did have two two fear LeBron, he didn't take the bull by the horns and put his foot on everybody's neck and yeah. keep such a nice guy. Put his foot on their neck and kept it there. Like, such a nice guy. You know what I mean? There you go. You know what I mean? And, and this ain't, and the thing is, this ain't a nice guy contest. Because mm-hmm. if it was, he'd win it hands down, no question about it. But you got guys that you hold and beat with and you never want to let them win. Like Larry Bird has the coach coming up and he tells him, F you. You know what I mean? Like, Damn, Mike. Vol for life, Commodore Nation. You guys can talk all day, man. Y'all got great insights. So just wanted to have this conversation about the last dance and some people's GOAT. Uh, but for right now, he's the GOAT of the last five weeks for certain, for everybody. Uh, it's, been since- a long, it's been a long battle for LeBron fans, man. We had 10 episodes of fight. We've been fighting for 10 episodes. We've been, we've been able to see, we've been able to see. And listen, I'm, listen, don't get a misconstrued. I'm a LeBron fan. Like, man, Rio know this, you know what I mean? But we're going to see his in about 20 years. <laughs> All right, everybody, man. For Penny Hardaway, for Mario Moore, for Ron Slay, I'm Jay Gilmore. This has been Jay's World. I appreciate you guys. Anchor down. Go balls, baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Jay's World Podcast.